Hello and welcome to Adventures Investor in Conversation. Uh, my name is David Stevenson and this week I'm with Mark Mahaffey, who I've known for many, many years, uh, very successful uh, in the world of investment and who's also on Substack with me with the Hindsight uh, newsletter. We'll be talking a bit about the importance of uh, thinking systematically about equities and UK equities and dividends. So stay with us. Here's a bit quick musical intro. Hello, Mark. Um, tell me about Hindsight and the newsletter. It's, it's UK equities. You, you, that's what you look at, isn't it? The Hindsight uh, letter used to be the Hindsight UK dividend letter. It, it started actually as a uh, an offset of Hind Capital's gold mm-hmm. fund. Um, and so that it started off as a very macro-orientated uh, fund. And then we, uh, we started focusing on uh, UK equities from a specific. But it was born out of uh, that part of the letter was born out of a, a real hatred for passive investing um, and how exchange traded um, funds and everything exchange traded funds passive investing especially index um you know mainline index investing where, yeah. where everyone's advertising low fees but you know for example the the FTSE 100 goes it hasn't gone anywhere this year um and you know you you're, you're very happy that you've only paid 0.5 percent to your etf provider but in fact you've actually haven't done anything but there's been a lot of opportunities in single stocks and i think that you know relative to Americans who pay much more focus to individual stocks and 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 their four hundred one k, we are led into a uh, uh, we have to give it to somebody and you have to passive invest rather than try and do some very basic things in some you know large market well known um, high market cap large market cap UK st- stocks where you can get significant return. Part of that return is dividends, but part of that return is a me- reverse reversion to the mean. Within a relatively short holding period, um, most of the uh, stocks selected for, you know, the hindsight portfolio are looking to make 20 to 30 percent within nine months, including dividends. And that's uh, that's part dividend collection and there's part reversion to the mean. And ultimately, what we see is cyclical events in a lot of these industries and a lot of the stocks within those industries. So, So how many stocks might you typically have running at any one time? You know, depending on. On the on the the barrier for entry, you do have to have a reasonable. Um, uh, we'll come back to the screen in a minute. What the yeah. screen is, but, but what would you bet? Five, ten, fifteen, twelve to 12. twelve to eighteen stocks. I think is you know they, okay. they might get selected. Obviously, I do have to write about them, so I'm limited by the what yeah. I have to write about. Okay, and and what's the what's the systematic selection a, a filter or screen you look for? FTSE three fifty. Yes, the FTSE three hundred and fifty greater than a billion. Uh, pound market cap in value with five yeah. years of history so there's enough data to analyze okay and then what else are you looking for are you looking for progressively increasing the dividend do you look at balance sheet what else do you look for it's a comparison of metrics based on historic metrics to see where it is in the cycle so it will take multiple inputs you know like uh, historic uh, pe um over, over you know as many years as, as you can as you can take, but you know definitely a minimum of five years. It could be size of dividend yield, but not just the size of the dividend yield. It might be the speed with which you collect that dividend. Um, I know that sounds a little bit um, uh, strange, but uh, if you have a 
8.5% dividend yield and you collect half of it within 10 days, you know, that has a different value than an 8.5% dividend stock that you you don't collect for for nine months. Um, And all of those things historically that we backtested are relevant to selecting the stocks that are most likely within a nine-month period to produce a return that gives you a sufficient return or probability of a greater return than the mainline index where then you can move out of that into another cheaper stock. And it's that constant ability to move that within strong market cap stocks that, you know, that, you know, obviously we're going to, we can talk about dividend traps and high yield. Dividend yeah. I was going to ask that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's an average and, you know, obviously it's, it's, you do have to have, um, a hard stop on, on on every single stock, so it's it's halfway between investment and trading. Yeah, but this constant moving around, um, it certainly has a, an ability to outpace the index. I mean, obviously, the stretch between the FTSE two hundred and fifty and the FTSE one hundred is very relevant. You know, at the start of this year, it was clear that the how how tightly that the FTSE 250 was to the 100 historically that you should suggest you should be more involved in the defensive stocks and that's obviously panned out the FTSE 250 is down 20 percent the FTSE yeah. 100 is basically unchanged um but it's uh it is it's the sort of thing that I believe can be cautiously used to multiply a, a pension um over a shorter period of time than I'll buy something and hold it forever because everyone wants to have a growth company, but you know, can you really hold Sainsbury's forever? Why don't you just buy it when it's cheap at two twenty five and sell it at two seventy five and pick up a dividend in the meantime and going in and out of it five times, which I think our portfolio has. Okay, fine. I was going to ask you a typical stock. So Sainsbury sounds like a typical stock, pretty boring, good defensive and good dividend. I mean, yes, boring or, or, or at least well-capitalized, well-known, yeah. unlikely yeah. Um, to go out of business because, I mean, obviously there are red flags for, you know, if something is absolutely collapsing. Um, but, you know, the easiest way to identify the red flag is just to put a, a 25% uh, stop in, in it and just act like a trade rather than investment. Okay. Uh, we've, we found that that is the easiest way to... Um, uh, eradicate those unwelcome dividend traps is just to just you know if you buy something that you believe is cheap enough to generate a 20 to 30 percent return over the next nine months including dividends in and it's past all the all the barriers any of the hurdles if it's down another 25 percent there could be something that you haven't seen the model hasn't seen and you need to address that so how do you deal with the dividend trap or value trap argument generally, which is, is that the, the reason why you might have a really good dividend is because the stock's rubbish and it's fallen by 80%. I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the, as I say, it's model driven. So I get the, we get the output from the model and then we can look at the, 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 the metrics, but also the, the backstory. I think that, uh, let me think of a, an, you know, a dividend stock that, uh, you know, Bradford and Bingley starts going up and then goes out of business or yeah. or, or something. Um, I think that it's you know, obviously if you have the ability to pay the dividend, they out of out of cash flow, out of forecast cash flow, or a um, uh, the speed with which the dividend is going up, you know, just a gap down. You know, but if it's a gradual cyclical move and the dividend's going up because the stock is going down, but the cash flow looks about the same and the forward earnings are a little bit lower, you know, but it, it, it's, it's more to do with 
gradualism rather than gap risk. Um, you know, obviously you can't um, you can't eradicate all of those you know unforeseen, so, you know, fraud, bankruptcy, you know, through fraud, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know, um, but it's it's more monitoring the, uh, the 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 speed with which these stocks change relative to the dividend increase. Right, and um, so. What, what's your take at the moment? It, I mean, what, what's performance been like? Uh, have you outpaced the index over the last year, last couple of years? Just talk me just about performance. Uh, have, has it been worth using your strategy versus a FTSE 350 tracker? There, I don't think there are any FTSE 350 trackers, but there are FTSE all share trackers. And that basically the FTSE 350 fundamentally with a bit of small cap at the end. Have you outpaced yeah. those kind of benchmarks? Yes, I think I think the easiest way to... To, to look at the benchmarking is and, and it, 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 you know the the, the the returns are on the on the back of the newsletter that we document are um, approximately twelve percent average returns above the index um, in the holding period but in some ways the easiest structure is that you you start off with a passive investment in the in in the FTSE one hundred passive in the two fifty and you make your decision based on on the stretch but within the the index you might move into a um, a cheaper stock so you will sell part of the FTSE 100 that you own your passive and then you replace it with one of these stocks and then you do that until you get a uh, a portfolio that has some index um, in it but then you have you're more heavily weighted in the stocks that are cheap and less weighted in the stocks that are expensive for example um, and so, so you would use them with passive vehicles so you use this alongside passive vehicles yes Yes, I, I think that, uh, and I think that's a that's a reasonable. I mean, obviously, you can use it in whichever way you suggest. If you have a small portfolio and you want to allocate, you know, we always, you know, I think you read some of the mac, the larger macro stuff. I, I I see no reason why most people don't have a. Um, I think sixty forty or forty sixty has been blown out of the water in in the last yeah. year. Um, yeah. Should have been blown out a long time ago. I much prefer to adhere to the Harry Brown's old permanent portfolio that starts off twenty five percent equities, twenty five percent bonds, twenty five percent cash, and twenty five percent gold. And I think that gives you a better, uh, uh, solid return structure with enough correlating. You know, stocks go down, bonds go up. You know, um, stocks go down, gold goes up, uh, and you you get enough anti correlation, inverse correlation so that you can mitigate return. And within that, I think that you can, within your equity portion, you can do a lot better than the current index for that. Uh, and, as- and, t- and tell me, just on before we talk about the big picture stuff, where do you find out about the index? Sorry, the, the, the newsletter. Just talk, talk, just tell uh, listeners where they go to. So you're on Substack, yeah? We're on Substack. Obviously, Substack's a... Um, the, the the I guess it's been going a few years, but it's clearly a better source of um, yeah of newsletter and investment writers, and it's considered the premium place for you know we've had some success with um, with not just the, uh, the 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 ability to gain subscribers, but also the the, the ease with which people can access the material yeah absolutely and get the um, the the, so, the portfolio changes alerts and the emails. So they go to just type type in hindsight letter Substack. Yep. Okay. Um, now you, you touched on permanent portfolio there. Uh, let's just talk for five or ten minutes a bit about your big picture view. Now I, I first talked to you, Mark, many many moons ago. Um, talk about gold, if I remember properly, um, and you mentioned Harry Brown's permanent portfolio idea: one quarter, one one quarter gold, one quarter cash, one quarter bond, one quarter equities. 
Um, let's just pick each of those out in turn. Let's just think about because you you obviously used to run a gold fund. What's your take on gold? I, I, I'll introduce this by saying that I was I, on my own news session. I talked a bit about Newmont, uh, which I'm a great fan of, own personally. But it's been an absolute dreadful stop because I, I like it because it's a low cost gold producer. You know, it's going to do really well with gold generally. But it's down thirty percent this year alone. Yeah, what's now that that's a good proxy for gold. It's not it's not a perfect proxy for gold, but it's not a bad proxy for gold. What's going on with gold? Uh, I mean, I. I... One of the the interesting things about gold is what currency it's in um, yeah. more than anything. I mean, you know, True. most people I speak to, friends in Canada and the US, they, they tell you who are still involved in the mining business, they say, well, you know, well, why won't gold ever go up? But clearly, if you're, you're a yen investor or a sterling investor, it's up on the year. Yeah. And you've had perfect returns. I think, you know, only a couple of months ago, gold was up 12% um, year to date um, in, in sterling terms. So it's been yeah. fantastic. You know, the the... The, the GBSS, I believe, on, on you know, your typical yeah. um, ETF, you know, that is the sterling base, and that, that's, that's fantastic. So I think it's currency-related. Um, you know, the, it, it's not, it doesn't have to be an anti-dollar, but, you know, as a general perception of gold. Obviously, I think it's cheap, you know, relative to what's happening in the world. You know, in the dollar terms, it was 1900 in 2011. We didn't have any inflation back there. We didn't have ge- geopolitical fragmentation. We didn't have the U.S. trying to drag us into wars all over the place where we don't really want them. Um, and so with that backdrop, you would expect gold and silver to be a lot higher than they are. You know, my worry about gold and silver being a lot higher than they are these days is more to do with the fact is I think that they will just gap higher one day. One one day they will just be 30% higher. Um, when you come to – and, and it's, it's difficult to um, – trade that from that point of view you have to be in it and you have to understand it's yeah. part of your portfolio but it is different on the you know over across the currencies you know if, if you look at it you know in sterling terms it's been a, a great diversifier and a very cautious five eight percent return over the last 20 years what about gold miners i mentioned newmont we obviously did a tremendous amount of work over the 15 years we ran high gold fund um for high capital most of the belief, my belief, my subsequent belief is with gold miners is that um, they are just a beta to the gold price. Yeah. You know, the yeah. gold price goes up 10%, the miners go up by 30%. Yeah. The, the smaller the company, the higher the beta, the larger yeah. the company. So, you know, and unfortunately, it seems like it's a little bit weighted against you. The gold goes up 10%, the gold miner will go up by 30%. Gold goes down 10%, the gold miner will go down 40%. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so no, I, that. I think that, uh, you know, that some of the the gold stocks will ultimately, you know, they have more of a boom-bust mentality. Yeah. You know, I've talked about the cyclical cyclical nature of, you know, the UK large-cap stocks, um, which I think is very tradable and very churnable. Um, the gold stocks are much more uh, – the, the cycles are much bigger. They're much more boom-and-bust. And, you know, that buying it cheap, it doesn't necessarily mean you can get a lot cheaper than cheap. And then setting it rich, they can get a lot richer than rich. You know, there's not that yeah. natural cycle. The cycle is much more, what's the word, amplification or the sine wave is a much greater. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, let's just go back to equities. I mean, uh, where's your take? Uh, uh, I mean, do you think, I mean, do you have a view on where UK equities are generally versus US equities? Um, I personally, to my audience, definitely think that, U.S. equities are still overvalued. Um, I'll put my kind of views on the line. 
UK is probably not bad value, arguably pretty good value. Um, where's, where's your take on US versus UK? Yeah, I, I think it's very clear that uh, the US, less extreme than last year, but they are still massively overvalued, um, certainly relative to the UK, but overvalued on their own basis. And I think the UK, uh, the fact that the FTSE hasn't moved all year is held up by, you know, the miners or mm. the, the oil companies, you know, sterling weakness has probably benefited some of those stocks to a great degree as well. But I, I think that it's easy to say that the stocks have better value now than they did, but I don't think that a lot of the things that are happening in the bigger macro world are really uh, crunched down to the fact that, yeah. you know, that we still have a low unemployment rate. You know, we have, we're spending more on oil than we have since 1980. Um, yeah. The recession is in front of us. Yeah. We have a hundred thousand people a month refixing their mortgages at yeah. 6% instead of two. I think things can get worse. How much the stocks have generally um, factored that in, you know, is 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 an element. You know, is it how much of the recession has been built into the current valuation of the stocks? I would say that uh, less than you believe, um, which means that I think that you have to be specific in the stocks. You can't just say I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy stocks because you know I think they've got better value. I mean, you, some stocks have amazingly better value, and some stocks are still. Uh, in La La Land. Let me um, almost kind of quick fire series questions. There's so many other things I could ask you. Uh, FTSE one, FTSE one hundred versus two fifty. Where would you be? I think it's definitely a time with you know the stretch with the with the FTSE is uh, uh, down twenty percent and the FTSE one hundred. I think there is clearly opportunities in the FTSE two fifty. Um, and again, it's stock specific. You know, much more relevant than the actual index. Um, it, it, it's it's clearly in bad times that that will stretch lower and widen. The two fifty yeah. will underperform, and in good times it will tighten. I but tighten up. You know it, it, that's happened over the the year. You know it's been a very good trade to become very defensive last year. You know sticking Imperial brands, sticking Astros, sticking and in some of the 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 the, the large miners and the oil companies that has benefited you. Would this time be a time when you should start saying, well, maybe there's a, a Ukraine settlement risk here that the oil majors will not will not uh, enjoy this premium? Are there opportunities in the 250 that where they're significantly cheaper? We talked about Ashmore off, offline before, but, you know, Ashmore, widest spread, bond yields, emerging markets. Um, that is particularly cheap stock, I would see, in the 250. So I do think there's time to... Um, move on but ultimately i don't think that the bottom is in so to speak no i agree um okay what about um i just you mentioned two other quick fire questions the dollar uh dollar's been very strong um will it stay strong i i mean i think that uh against sterling it it it, it, it certainly got down to that value which is you know mm. cyclical low you know i'm unfortunately i'm old enough to remember 1986 when it got down to 103 and yeah you know when you Speaking to a friend of mine, when the when the dollar was uh, the cable was at one ten recently, the amount of Mer- American money just coming in to buy UK real estate, you know, some properties were down fifty percent compared to pre uh, in in dollar terms compared to pre pandemic. Yeah. Um, so the flow of funds does up to ultimately control the, the the currency. So I do think there's a there's a, again a mean reverting point of that. So the dollar is probably too strong. 
yeah. and will ultimately have peaked and, generally speaking, release some of that value. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that as well. Um, energy. Um, it's done, energy equities have done phenomenally well. All prices <coughs> are down a bit now. Last thing I was looking, 80 bucks, 85 bucks, depending on the measure. Um, none of us know what will happen with energy, ex- except probably for Vladimir Putin, whether or not he decides to up the ante. What's your take on energy generally as a sector? I think it will be hard to suggest that we will consume the same amount of energy um, uh, mm. at these prices. You yeah. Know, um, so that the, the demand destruction, um, you know, whether you're, you're in Germany trying to run a business or you're you're yeah. in the UK trying to heat your house, I would imagine that you know the, we're on oil down here. It's three times more expensive than it was. You know. Yeah. 14 months Same ago. with me, absolutely. We've got our £200 coming for the government, though, Mark. Yeah. So um, <laughs> what, 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 do, what do people naturally do, you know? I mean, the average temperature in in um, UK rooms, um, you know, in, 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 the, in the UK household was 21 degrees a year ago. Um, <sighs> 30 hot. years ago, 70s, 80s, it was 16 degrees. Yeah, so, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep it down to 16, 17, Mark, i say. Yeah, so, I mean, I think that you, you'll just see people using less, and then that ultimately will, will affect the price. And, you know, obviously the Americans are helping us out by selling their their, their energy at uh, six times the value so that they can prevent a recession and force it more onto, more, <laughs> more onto Europe. Um, that's very happy for them, um, but uh, very good for them. But uh, I think demand destruction will ultimately mean less usage and, and then that the, 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 from a stock basis, I would not be thinking that this is... The, those stocks will clearly not cheap in the portfolio, and we wouldn't no. own those stocks. Um, another quick fire question. Bonds. Um, I mean, it's just a bit like saying, you know, what do you think of life, the universe and everything? It's a huge category. Would you be buying bonds at the moment? You would be in your permanent portfolio. <laughs> we, 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 we made certainly made a case this time last year where there was all risk and no return, you know, trillions of dollars of uh, yeah. negative yielding um, bonds. Uh, I think that clearly the belief that interest rates will will not go up significantly more because the recession mm. is going to come and it's 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 not going to be pretty you know inflation will roll over as the base effects come in and the demand yeah. destruction yeah. comes with that that's clear i think we do have to get used to higher inflation in general you yeah. know the likelihood of it getting back to 2% anytime soon is uh, uh, not very not very likely is, is in in la la land um but i i i think that Cash and bonds in their portfolio at these current interest rates certainly give you the protection they they always used to. That if you can buy bonds at you know three, four, four and a half percent, um, and stocks continue to weaken, that bonds will mitigate some of that weakness. And that was always the trade that bonds benefited when stocks went down, and and that combined return uh, 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 that returned that. That return profile was quite reasonable. But uh, yeah. the, the, the thing I wanted to, and I, I, I touched on it briefly in last month's letter, is what really annoys me is the fact that the the deposit rates for the high street banks aren't going up. No, I know. It's terrible, um, isn't it? I, I've been writing about this in the city as well. You know, and, and, and all your investment accounts pay next to zero. I mean, it's absolutely shocking. And, and most people are able, you know, you don't have to have millions in the bank. You're able to buy... Yeah. Um, uh, six-month T-bills, which are fully custodian with the UK government, so you're not taking bank risk, you're taking UK government risk, and yeah. the six-month T-bill goes through at 390 and you're getting 
point one on your high street bank. You know, the yeah. banks are just, you know, allowing you to be lazy or complain yeah, and then giving it to you. And, and, and that is, you know, cash as, as that part of the permanent portfolio was always meant to be significant. It, it was a significant earner, but also a significant uh, opportunity ability that if you had it in cash and it was earning three and a half, four percent or whatever it was, whatever, it was not only earning money, but it was also allowing you the opportunity to invest in things when they were cheap. And, you know, that has come back. But we uh, we definitely need to beat down the doors to make sure that you maximize in that return. And I absolutely agree. I mean, I've been writing about short duration bonds and short duration bond funds, you know, and, and if you're willing to take a kind of duration of about two years, one and a half years, you could get well above five percent on on some pretty safe corporates, you know. Um, so I, I entirely agree with you. Last question before we finish, Mark. What's the one thing in 2023 that investors should watch out for? What's the big risk that no one's really factoring into their equations? Depending on what I mean, depending on what you're investing in, I would say obviously I would say have a you can have a. Uh, a blended portfolio here with the permanent portfolio. And I think that, the, 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 you know, gold equities, stocks and bonds, I think you are mitigating the risk yeah. that you weren't last year when interest rates were zero and stocks were at nosebleed valuations. Um, so that if you are set up like that, you, you, you can face some of the risks, you know, the China-Taiwan conflict, um, a settlement in the Ukraine, um, dollar weakness, a, a, a resurgent inflation even though people are rolling it down um but i think that the probably it will be a gradual understanding that the recession is going to cut into earnings and yeah. disposable income is going to keep shrinking and it might be for 18 months so it, it, it might not be a shock it just might be a bleed 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 and then you realize that oh it's you know things are cheaper than they were i don't know how we got here we didn't gap down obviously yeah, another conflict in the Far East. That's a gap down situation, um, a monetary policy, uh, an extreme monetary policy change. But you can't really um, uh, uh, gauge for that. But I, I think that my biggest worry would be not having not ha- having a weighted portfolio again now, when the market has given you ability to enter that for the first time in several years. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You can get some money on cash on return on cash. You can actually get a decent return on bonds with the right equities. You could do well and gold, as you say, depending on the currency is doing rather well. I'd add my risk, which I'm going to talk about probably in the new year, is I think there is a not insubstantial risk of a depression. So so recession. Yeah, absolutely. In the UK. But I think Europe, it could be much, much worse than that. I don't think it's likely, but it's more than a remote possibility. Uh, Mark, the, the, the deep sorry. recession is definitely it's definitely a, a, a much more uh, uh, higher percentage than just sailing through. Yes, yeah, sure. absolutely. Mark, remind people where to go again if they want to subscribe to the newsletter. It's the hindsight letter. It's on Substack. Um, uh, tap out hindsight, and, and and it will come up on Substack, and then you can uh, subscribe to the free version, or um, you can sign up for the paid version. I thoroughly recommend it, Mark. Thank you very much. Thank you, David. Good to see you again. Thank you.